What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show. Oh my God. Last night, yesterday, everything it's, it's time to, to wipe the stench of shit off of us, Matt. Maybe you had a great day. I don't know, but it was, I, I had a profitable day on Yahoo and thankfully, thanks to you, you told me you got to get over there and play more, which I have been doing lately. So that's good. But whew. Hey, what a wild Sunday. And I, I, I say wild, not in the sense of, hey, entertaining, great stuff, but thank God it's over. Anyway, we got the Bears. We got the Steelers. I'm Dave Lochran. With me, as always, Matt Gajeski. Dude, I, there were so many unpredictable, improbable, seemingly random occurrences on yesterday's slate. Yeah, from the player performance to the games. And I mean, we're talking the Bears-Steelers tonight. What I thought was going to be maybe one of the worst games on the slate overall, the, the week nine slate we're talking. But after what we saw yesterday, this game actually has some potential to be pretty good compared to what we saw. I mean, we were talking before the show, just some unbelievable occurrences. The Jacksonville Jaguars upsetting the Bills, I think the most surprising to me personally. But what do you think? I think I should probably just put my house up and, and bet everything I own. Right. Everything in the bank, everything from my crypto to NFTs to stocks and just throw it all into the Bears money line because <laughs> I mean, with the way things have gone. But yes, I'm with you 100 percent. Now, I'm the type of guy and you mentioned that the product right now for NFL, it's been kind of rough in the sense like you've had some bad games, the taunting penalties. There's a lot that that goes into looking at some of this and saying, man, what is happening? I'm the type of person that enjoys upset wins for teams. Like I always find myself gr granted. This is not when I have fantasy, uh, when, when I have anything on the line, of course, but like if it's a game I'm not invested in and I was not heavily invested in the, in the bills Jacksonville game from a DFS or a betting standpoint, I'm always pulling for the underdog. I like that stuff. 14 and a half point favorites. It was kind of cool. The Bills did not score a touchdown. Josh Allen, the DN for Jacksonville, ended up sacking the quarterback, Josh Allen, picked him off, uh, and I think recovered a fumble against him. So what an odd game. I mean, has there been a more unpredictable game of the year? Of course, you could point to Denver going up 30-0 against Dallas, but it wasn't just that Jacksonville won, Matt. It was the fact that they won without a touchdown and held the Bills, who had been producing 30-plus points every week without a touchdown for 60 straight minutes. Yeah, I mean, you don't expect that out of Josh Allen. Even in, like, garbage time, you'd expect the Bills to score something. It's a prolific offense. What are the, the best offenses in the entire NFL overall? And I know they, they kicked some field goals, had some bad luck just running, like, in the red zone and when they were in scoring position. But still, like, to hold them without a touchdown is unbelievable. And I mean, it's a, it's a game where in for Jacksonville, like Trevor Lawrence got banged up in that game. Like a lot of things weren't just going their way either. They had to overcome some adversity. So that, that was pretty surprising to me. I mean, another one that was really surprising was just Arizona without a plethora of skill position players for them. And they're still able to overcome the 49ers. Like how good is that team? I think we're talking about how unpredictable some of these teams are, but Arizona, I think maybe is the team that separated themselves a little bit compared to the rest of these teams we perceive to be pretty good. Absolutely. And, and I'm kidding, J-Dog, about the Bears money line. I, I'm making a point that uh, the, the level of randomness has been 
pretty insane at this point. Now, Matt, it's not every week, right? And tonight, there's certainly a lot that that seems predictable, but that's what we're here to talk about. And we're happy to have all of you guys with us. As always, Justin Sports says, where's AB? AB will be with us on Thursday. He usually does one show a week. It's either Monday or Thursday. Guy's got a busy schedule, you know? Uh, and I would assume that being the, the Bears, and that sucks that we can't talk to him about tonight's game because it is the Bears. But uh, he does he does uh, TV spots and stuff for the for for the Bears games. I'm assuming he's in Chicago right now. That would be my guess. Guy lives in Atlanta, so uh, he'll be back with us on Thursday. Uh, yeah, Anthony Mark is exactly Bears by 20. Like, would it really would it really shock you? It would though, Matt. And that's why we'll jump into all of this. We'll hit on both teams. Dive deep into this. We'll build a lineup as we always do. By the way, that lineup we built. Oh no, you were. We built, we built one, I guess it was Thursday night, that was just a, a killer lineup, and I didn't put it into anything because I always feel like if I do, every, you know, people are going to play it anyway. But uh, we'll, we'll build one of those, and then we got some great bets for you today as well. Dive into Odd Shopper a bit, but uh, that's all on the docket. Glad to have you guys with us. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. It only takes a second. I know most of you that are in here on a Monday morning, be it celebrating, licking your wounds, commiserating with us, or just prepping for another slate, you've already done so. But if you haven't, maybe you forgot, maybe you're on your phone, whatever it is, hit that thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We are at, damn, almost 65,000 subscribers. You guys are fantastic. Help us get to 70, continue to grow this platform, and hopefully continue to put out the best free content available. But you know, biggest thing, we got to combat those YouTube overlords, the algorithm, right? We're fighting. It's a daily battle. We need your help. All right, Matt, let's do this. Chicago Bears on the road, seven-point dogs. They're not a very good football team. They're not a high-passing volume team, and when they're forced into situations where they need to throw, things go south quick. Oh, sorry, one last – I'm sorry, I'm all over the place this morning. One last thing. We talked about all the insane games. The Arizona Cardinals – destroyed the San Francisco 49ers yesterday without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. That was unbelievable. How does that happen? Like like the, and AJ Green was out too. Not that AJ Green is some like world beater, but he's a starter for that team, a main pass catcher they utilize. And they come out there with their backup quarterback and steamroll the 49ers, a team that we all thought was pretty good heading into the year and a team that's gotten a little healthier. I mean, like they had the return of George Kittle in their most recent game. So what a performance by them. I think there's so many teams that are underperforming this year. You can look to the Chiefs. You can look to the Rams last night. I mean, we just talked about the Bills at length. But, man, the Cardinals, they seem to be getting it done. And they've had a real step forward, not just from, like, Kyler and their pass catchers, but their defense has been excellent, too. Good pass rush. And they lost J.J. Watt already. But even their secondary, a lot of people were projecting that to be, like, a bottom three unit in the NFL this year. They've really made strides overall as a team. So, man, I, when Kyler's back to full strength, they, they get to, hopefully DeAndre Hopkins back to full strength, A.J. Green coming off COVID. That team is scary. They really are. And, Jordan, I'm glad to see that our buddy Buffalo Warpigs is in chat. I thought he would slip into a deep, dark fog and become despondent after yesterday's Buffalo Bills loss. So, Sammy, glad to have you with us, brother. And J-Dog, welcome to Team Awesome, oh man. Appreciate all you guys. If you want to join, hit that join down below. Get the badges that improve over time. They just look cooler and cooler. Obviously, you get the custom emojis. 
the shout outs and uh, we'll always answer your questions first. So Matt, uh, back to what I was saying. Sorry, I just had to get that in. I wanted to get your take on on another ridiculous outcome. And the San Francisco 49ers defense was minimum salary on Yahoo. So, you know, that beat some people up for sure. But the Chicago Bears, when they're forced to throw the football, things get ugly quick. I just want your general take on this game first in that could we just see this be one where the Steelers win, but it's never out of control to the point where Justin Fields is forced to do something crazy like attempt 45 passes? I think there's a pretty strong chance of that. Most of the Steelers games have been close this year. I mean, like single digit close. I believe they only have two games that were ended by more than 10 points on the entire year. So, I mean, their last one over the Browns was a five point win. They had a three point win over Seattle an eight point win over Denver. They lost by 10 to Green Bay. Cincinnati was a bit of a blow up, but even like the Raiders game earlier in the season, nine points. So they're playing in just tons of close games. All of a their lot- losses, Matt, have been relatively significant none of their wins really have been right and they're they're not really the team at this point with Roethlisberger at this stage of his career that's going to pull away from another team they're not a prolific passing attack kind of similar to the Bears they're more than willing to just ride the run when they're playing with a positive game script I think with both these teams trying to employ that approach in neutral to positive game script you have a recipe for a slow game a run heavy game which obviously is reflected in the total. It's only sitting at 40. Not a lot of points projected here overall. But to your point, I do think that lends itself to the Bears keeping this somewhat close. Me too. And that's where we can start. Obviously, we have a ton to talk about with the Steelers. There's there's a, a number of players that are just phenomenal options today. And that bears itself out in the ownership. Okay, the top three uh, owned players right now are all Steelers and, and by a mile. So. You get to, to Chicago, the highest on Chicago Bear right now is, you know, not surprisingly, Justin Fields. But, I mean, the one thing about him that stands out to me, Matt, and you know this already, is his rushing upside because you're not playing Fields for, for his passing ability. I'll tell you this much right now. Like, if Fields was not a rushing quarterback, I would be absurdly underweight on him today, especially given that in these showdown contests, everybody loves playing quarterbacks, even if they're bad. I'm not saying Fields is going to be bad, okay? I'm not saying that the the play calling and the coaching has done him any favors this season. But had it not been for his rushing upside, and he did cross the 100-yard uh, threshold for the first time all season on 10 attempts last year with the, or last week with a rushing touchdown in a game that they dropped by 11 points, if it wasn't for that, I mean, he'd be really one of the most unappealing players on this slate against Pittsburgh, I think. I agree with you. I think he's overpriced. I was running optimals for all platforms this morning, and he was a guy that wasn't popping up in any of them. We're talking about not like just captain slot. Like he wasn't appearing in lineups overall, which is pretty bad. And I mean, you look at his rushing totals. He has that kind of anomalous 100-yard game in their most recent contest. He hasn't been above 43 yards in any other game. You look back to his time at Ohio State, and he does have this mobility, but he's not often using it. And sometimes that comes down to play calling. I I don't know if this is just a coincidence or not that he has the big game when Nagy's not there. But overall, Fields, he hasn't always shown that like Lamar Jackson style of running, even though he has the skill set, which I think is concerning. And that's why he's not projected that well. We're not going to go just purely off that one game sample where he has the 100 yards. He has a larger body of work that is much, much worse. And they just haven't been willing to throw the ball enough where you have fields with a solid enough floor. 
it's so tough right now. I mean, he's he's three hundred. Well, if if you're using the flex spot on on DraftKings, he's two hundred dollars less expensive than Ben Roethlisberger. And listen, this is this is not saying that Ben Roethlisberger is an exciting play whatsoever. Uh, and he has zero rushing upside to speak of, Matt. So we're looking at a game where both quarterbacks are highly underwhelming. And, you know, does Roethlisberger have uh, more touchdown equity? The, the obvious, like, gut res- or uh, immediate response would be yes. Do you know how many games he's thrown more than one touchdown this year? Not off the top of my head, but the way you frame that question, I'm going to guess it's only one or two. Every game. Okay. I'm, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. One. Oh, I'm, okay. I was gonna. Right. I was gonna say. One game. He has one game with multiple touchdown passes. So neither of these quarterbacks are great today. I'm gonna ask you a strategy question. What is the merit to fading both of them, if there is any? Yeah, these are the game environments where you would want to do so. They're both overpriced compared to their scoring equity. And it's already a really low scoring game environment. And in those kind of game games where you see low scores, a lot of defense, that's where you could play more kickers, more, more defenses overall. And in low scoring game environments, there's just a higher likelihood that, you know, maybe all the production is funneled to Allen Robinson or Allen Robinson just happens to be the guy that catches the touchdown and that six point touchdown plus like the PPR bonus on DraftKings is worth more than whatever Justin Fields is throwing, which in low scoring game environments, that is a much more likely scenario, in my opinion, than if you have those big 50 point totals where fields potentially would be spreading the ball around, but just these low scoring game environments add a lot of volatility. I mean, a guy like Deontay Johnson is, is a perfect player that you can roster without his quarterback because he can, you know, he's going to get targeted double digit times again, probably he could have eight for 80 and not score, but still definitely be in the optimal on on the Bears side, as we continue to talk about them, you have Allen Robinson, who, you know, I'll tell you what, I was over on Odd Shopper looking at and, and I usually in the in the morning or whenever it is that I'm preparing for a show, I go over to Odd Shopper and, and I look at where these props are and where our projections are at compared to that, because all of the projections that we have at Osmo. Are, are on each one of these players. So you can see all of the projections right there next to the expected win rate on these bets, next to the expected ROI. And then below that, you can see where each one, where the best bet is, depending on what book uh, is available to you or what books, plural, are available to you. And I look at Allen Robinson and I say, man, he has a 57% win rate on the over three and a half receptions, which in most books is, is plus money. The over is like plus 130 at points bet plus 120 at DraftKings. We've got him projected for over four receptions today. And I got to tell you, I I was, I was a lot lower on him before I saw that, but maybe this is one of those instances where Justin Fields needs to throw the ball more. um, And, and and Allen Robinson gets more involved, but he has been such a colossal disappointment this season. Yeah, there have been a couple guys like that. And it's really interesting to see Darnell Mooney have more targets than him this year. Mooney has been fantastic in what is a low volume offense an offense that's really struggled this year. So take that for what it's worth. But to your point, Robinson still projects for less receiving yards than Mooney, less receptions. 
And he's still coming in with such a high value based on our tools. And I think you mentioned receptions. I think receiving yards might be even better. I, I don't recall what you said the win rate was on receptions, but on just receiving. 57% on the over for, uh, for Robinson. Yeah, I'm looking at receiving yards. We have 64% for the win rate on wow. 37 and a half yards, which is about even juice, depending on where you're looking. FanDuel right now currently is the best odds. We even projected 49 and a half receiving yards. I think that's pretty modest, honestly, given the potential game script we'll see here with the Bears touchdown underdogs. Robinson still has a target share north of 20%. It's just the offense has been so bad. Exactly. And I'll tell you what, you, you mentioned Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney has a, a, a very high target share over the last four weeks. I, I think it's around 28%. Uh, he actually separated and created a bit of a bigger gap from, from Robinson there. The, the, the pass catchers here are, are fascinating to me because I already hit the over on, um, on Cole Komet receptions. Now I, I didn't hit Robinson yet because I like this Komet one better. 61% expected win rate. Granted, there's some juice on the over, but you can find uh, some, some better odds depending on where you look. We'll put it there for you. But he's actually on the field, Matt, for like 90% of snaps or more right now. Uh, he's running routes on 76% of, of dropbacks over the last three weeks. And it's not to say that he's going to be super exciting. I don't really love the yardage props here, but Cole Komet in terms of, of just receptions and being on the field, at least makes him an interesting option to me at this price point. We're going to, here's the simple, here's, here's the simple fact of it all. And, and I'm intentionally waiting to get to the backfield because Montgomery, you know, being designated to return and all throws a wrench into the works, but like you have to go somewhere here. And the fact that Komet has, you know, 17 targets over his last three games has to at least put him in the conversation of somebody that maybe he gets a, you know, a red zone target or two and, Maybe he gets those five to seven targets and becomes one of those guys that you don't need fields to do great, but Komet finishes with like four for 35 and a touchdown and is enough to be in the optimal. Yeah, I think that's that's something you could definitely look at. And one thing I want to highlight that you brought up about receiving yards versus receptions, a lot of times with like tight ends and these skill position players, like tight ends and running backs particularly, that aren't, you know, like the most athletic dynamic players that can't really make a lot of yards after catch or make guys miss. I think the reception props are a little bit better as long as you're talking about guys that are seeing volume and have a good overall win rate based on our odd shopper tool. And Komet has that. So I'm with you leaning more towards like receptions for some of these guys. That's a good one. I think as far as DFS goes, like you have to consider guys like this. And on today, we don't have any value. There's like no clear punt value play. Right. There's no min price receiver like we've seen in recent weeks. So you're going to have to play some of these guys like Komet at an elevated price that you don't feel comfortable about. Even, you know, even Marquis Goodwin, who you would think might've been a punt play, isn't that cheap either. He's way more expensive than some of the punts we've seen this year. I was shocked to see his price. I thought he'd be like 1700, maybe 2000. Yeah, I agree with you, man. He he's actually like somewhat expensive. Yeah, for his role. Like, I mean, he does have uh, he, he does have a yards per reception around like eleven, a little above eleven yards, but that doesn't do anything for me to say like, okay, decent decent yards per reception on a team that that doesn't throw the ball well and isn't accurate. You know, like 
I, I love these. I love certain deep threat guys in, in showdown contests, because if you have a decent enough quarterback, that can actually get them the ball. You're like, Hey, all they need is, is one or two, uh, you know, two or three targets, one big reception and, and it's money. But with Darnell Mooney, like not only is he only on the field for 35 to 40% of snaps, not only is he only targeted a couple times a game, but these aren't high quality, high value targets. And, and that's why when it comes to the bears, a team that is just not good in the passing game at all, I find myself leaning more towards the guys who will maybe not have huge, huge upside on a, on a long touchdown downfield, because at this point, none of them really have that assurance, but more so someone that could give me five receptions and maybe fall into the end zone. I agree with, there's so many things cannibalizing Goodwin. Like he's, he's not on the field for, he's basically been like a 40% snap player over the last couple of weeks. And that's because they're still using guys like Demir Bird. They're rotating other receivers and there's their wide receiver threes, who it not to mention has a redundant skill set with Goodwin. So it's not like Goodwin is the only guy that can run these deep balls. You mentioned Mooney, he can do it. Goodwin, excuse me, Goodwin can do it himself and then Bird can do it. But they're also using a ton of Jesse James in 12 personnel. So they don't even have three wide receivers on the field for a majority of their snaps. Like a lot of times it's Jesse James and Cole Komet, and then it's Mooney and Robinson and there's nowhere. Goodwin's nowhere to be found. So he's very expensive for the role he has. So then if we were to close out pass catchers, who are your favorite options here? Obviously you're talking about ownership, basing this on, on salary as well. Just overall construction of your lineups. What are your thoughts? Mooney's about $2,000 more than, than Goodwin, which is ridiculous to me. Mooney is 600 more than Cole Komet. And I think there's just so much more upside with Mooney. You look at Mooney compared to Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson's still more expensive based on name recognition, but the targets have actually been in favor of Mooney. So it's really hard for me to get away from him. I think he's your low risk contest cash style build type player. And then from there, you can start talking about who you want to go to in GPPs. But even Mooney's ownership in, in tournaments, we're talking about 38% overall, like only 7% in the captain spot. That's pretty low for a guy who just flat out might be the number one pass catcher for the Bears right now. Yeah, you're right. How much of a difference really is there between like Cole Komet and Pat Fryermuth today? Because the ownership, the, the salary, all of this is suggesting that you know, Fryermuth is a exponentially better play. Now, I, I'm, it's not lost on me that Eric Ebron is out uh, or that Fryermuth made an insane touchdown in the fourth quarter last game to give them the go-ahead touchdown against Cleveland. And he has been targeted, you know, back-to-back -back games of, of seven targets. But I, I also can't help myself, and, and I'm jumping around a little bit here, Matt, because I, I think on a slate like this, we kind of need to compare them to other players at their position, even if they're not on the same team. I can't help myself but think, and I like Fryermuth tonight for sure, that Najee Harris might just get 30 carries in this game. And I'm, I, that's honestly not even hyperbole. Like, this might not be a game where they have to throw the ball a ton. Maybe Cole commits the one with eight targets, but ownership and salary look a whole lot different on those guys. Yeah, Fryermuth, I think, is just a little expensive for his offensive role right now. You look at Fryermuth's price, like he's way up there with some of the better receivers on this slate. Like it's it's not going to take you a whole lot to get to like a Chase Claypool or Deontay Johnson. And is Pratt Fryermuth like drastically different than some of the cheaper Bears receivers? Like he's more expensive than Darnell Mooney, which I love Fryermuth. I think he's a great player. He's obviously on the team with a much higher implied team total. 
But I think Mooney has a better target share than Fryermuth just straight up. That's kind of what I was thinking as well. And there's really no Deontay Johnson on the on the Bears, right? Like, yes, there's Darnell Mooney getting a higher target share and Robinson, I guess. But, like, there's no clear, clear number one bona fide option that's getting double-digit targets every week. I don't know if a player on this team has double-digit targets in a game this year. <laughs> I, I can look it up for you, but I'm not sure either. They're just so low volume. Yeah. Do you think any of them do? Probably, yeah. But, I mean, like, Mooney leaves the team in targets. He only has 53. (laughs) That's so bad. That's really bad. All right, hold on a second. I'll tell you right now. Are you looking up their individual games? Yeah, I was trying. I think Mooney does. No, he doesn't. Mooney doesn't have double-digit targets in any game. So then nobody does. There's no way Robinson has a double-digit, unless it was, like, week one under Dalton. Yo, 11. 11 under Dalton in week one. Okay. But none of the fields. Mooney's high as nine. That's nuts, man. That is nuts. I'm, re- I'm very surprised by that. Yeah, so that's, that's what you get with this team. What are we doing with the running backs? Khalil Herbert's played too well to take off the field at this point. And, I mean, we don't need to talk about the Bears roster construction woes because they continue to draft bad players. But David Montgomery, where they took him, a bit egregious when you can get guys like Khalil Herbert on day three, but Khalil Herbert, he's just played so well that I think this comes But is Montgomery a, playing. I can't find anything on it yet. He's supposed to be activated today. So th- this is one of those situations, you know, that you, you've seen this before where they don't have to activate these players to like, what is it? 3 PM Eastern time on the game day. You know uh, talking- yes. Yeah I, think yeah. That, I think that's right. So it's one of those situations where they have until like this afternoon to decide if they want to activate Montgomery but Matt Nagy said in a presser this week, there's a really good chance they're going to activate him. So I'm, I'm taking that as he's going to play. That came straight from Nagy himself. If for whatever reason Montgomery doesn't play, Cooler Herbert becomes an exponentially better play because Damian Williams is not going to be in this game. Right, and that's what's so tough. Yeah, he said there's a really good chance not only that, that they'd activate him, but that he would play. So I don't know, but I read something, Matt, yesterday that said he didn't need to be activated until afternoon on Sunday. But I'm yeah. assuming I'm assuming they just messed that up. I think I'm pretty sure that you can be activated day of. They, that's that's what happened. I thought too. Yeah, multiple times this year we've seen that. That's what I thought as well. So I, I don't know, but it, that we we have to pay really close attention to that because Khalil Herbert, you know, this is a guy. Did you know he was born with six toes on his left foot and twelve fingers? I I found that out not long ago, but probably the same time you did. It was on Twitter. I saw. I didn't. I I learned it this morning, actually. But uh, yeah, I would have kept those fingers, man, and become a pass catching running back. (laughs) He's still pretty good. I know. I'm just saying (laughs) he couldn't drop a damn thing. Uh, He's just been getting absurd amounts of volume, like absurd amounts of volume for Khalil Herbert. Since week five, only Derrick Henry has more carries than he had 18, and that's a game he didn't start. That was a Damian, uh, that was a Damian Williams game. Week six, 19. Week seven against Tampa. He he had a hundred yards against that Tampa front with 18 carries. And then last week, he was inefficient, wildly inefficient, and they lost by 11, but he still had 23 carries. Like 
this is insane volume for a guy that I guarantee you a lot of people had not heard about until he came out of the woodwork in week five or week four. He almost has like a James Robinson-esque workload with a little less pass catching upside, but it's kind of like the Jaguars last year where they were just willing to run him even in negative game script. And it's great for fantasy, not so great for real life production, but we know this Bears team doesn't want to air the ball out. They haven't been efficient when doing so. And they're just dealing with a rookie quarterback, a really bad offensive line. So not only is like field struggled a little bit as a passer downfield, but they can't protect long enough for him to really attempt a lot of those throws with the run game. Like Khalil Herbert might not be efficient in any game the rest of the way, because the, everyone knows what the bears want to do, but the volume is there. It's like a Devonte Booker, a James Robinson situation where sometimes the volume is just too good to fade. And this is all assuming Montgomery sits. If he plays, I would think this becomes close to a 50, 50 timeshare. I think so too. If that's the case, then how do you approach these salaries? I think right now they're, I mean, they're very close in salary, but like 200 apart in, in terms of DraftKings salary. I think Montgomery is the better pass catcher. Just this is all tentative because we haven't really seen them on the field together yet. We don't know what roles Nagy and the coaching staff wants them to play, but we know Montgomery is a clear pass catcher. Herbert has only received that role like situationally this year. So with the Bears projected to be down in this game and there being only 200 difference, my like slight preference is towards Montgomery with the role we've seen him play in the past game. But very tentative. There's a chance like Montgomery's limited and we're just not sure how much he plays overall. Really risky situation. In tournaments, I think I'll try to play a lot of both. But in like low risk contests, Montgomery projects pretty well right now. It's a, it's a volatile projection though. If Montgomery ends up not playing, I'm telling you right now, though, Herbert becomes one of the best plays on the slate at that price point. Like, if you ask me, he should be – you might think I'm crazy here, Matt, but I think he should be more expensive, at least at least in line with Justin Fields' salary if Montgomery's out. I think he becomes the number two play and maybe number one price adjusted. Like, I think Najee – yeah. He's the, he's the best play based on raw points. And I think on a slate like this, that's so low scoring, you just want to jam those raw points when you can get them. So Najee, we, we didn't talk a lot about him and we'll get to him, but I think he's just going to score so much compared to the rest of the players in the game that you want him in there, whether it's captain or flex, you just play him either way. But Herbert, if Montgomery's out, he's, he's right there. He's just on a team projected for less points and probably less efficient with maybe less pass catching upside. But who, who else do we think has a more consistent role? I don't, I don't think any of the receivers do. I mean, maybe Deontay Harris, just given that he's seen double-digit targets in all but one game. But, uh, yeah, you're, you're and we will get to Najee Harris, don't worry. But, yeah, you're talking about a guy that probably sees another 20 touches if David Montgomery's out. You can't get away from that at that price point. You just can't. So, I agree. I agree with, with you. you. I'm with you. Uh, anything else here, Matt, before we, we wrap up the uh, Bears and go over to the Steelers? I think Jesse James, and again, like he's going to be on the field a decent amount. They run 12 personnel, but he's 3K in the flex. Like, what? Jesse James, a guy that I thought would be $1,200 today, but like we have to talk about him because he's out there, but he's just purely a tournament play based on this egregious price. I mean, he's, he's like in line with the kickers and the defenses. I don't get it. I don't get it either. I mean, it's because, fine. They're just, they're giving us kind of a different puzzle than we've seen all year. But I, you know, like open up these salaries and I'm looking down at the men. There's no Jesse James. There's no Zach Gentry is even a little more expensive than I thought he'd be. Goodwin's 
absurdly above 4K for a 40% snap guy, but it's just a different puzzle. I, I think lineups are going to look a lot worse today overall, just because you don't have the stars and scrubs approach that you can just straight up build. And I think it actually might give like sharp players a little more of an edge, but but we'll see how the day shakes out. Khalil Herbert news with David Montgomery in or out is going to be a big, big piece of the slate. Last thing, the Bears ran a lot of two tight end sets last week. How much of that is just to protect Justin Fields? A lot of it. Jesse James is a good blocker, but he actually yeah. was targeted a fair amount. I was surprised at the target volume Jesse James received. Three and targets, I think right? Yeah. Six targets, yeah. And I think that's probably a blip on the radar more than anything. But six targets, fair. If they're going to be using him in some sort of ancillary pass catching role, I think he could be in play for tournaments specifically. He should be like Anthony Ferkser price. Yeah. But he's not. Ferkser was like 1,200 yesterday. I don't know. Jesse James is 3K. Yeah. What a world we live in. He it just, most people would be like, well, 3K is nothing. Yeah, but usually you have at least one or two punts, the average target or two per game. And, you, you know, that that's Jesse James. Yeah, he has three in back-to-back games. But other than that, he's been – uh entirely non-existent so i don't know man like i'm not sure there's anybody playable beneath 2k let's talk about it on the steelers side and see if we can come up with anything i I think the answer is going to be a resounding no but we'll give it a shot before we do check out no house advantage i know a lot of you guys already play over there uh, but in the event that you have not checked it out yet First off, use the promo code AWESEMO, A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Get up to $25 when you sign up and deposit. Second off, it is a player prop-based lineups over there, player prop-based contest where you're not worried about sharks or or, or optimizers or anything like that. You're not playing against the house. What you are doing, however, is building lineups with player props, betting the over, or I shouldn't say betting, taking the over on on these guys, putting them into a lineup. The ones you like the most, you're most confident in, go at the top. The ones you're least confident in, go at the bottom. All of that is very cool, especially the promo code that gets you some free money. But the best part is all of the tools that you need to win at No House Advantage are free at awesomeo.com every day of the week, 365 days a year. I'm talking about the Awesomeo uh, play on uh, no house advantage player prop tool, no house advantage, optimal lineups tool, all of that completely free. Use that to your advantage. And one more thing you got to use to your advantage that I, I, I can't stress enough. These props, unlike a lot of these other sites and apps that are, that are similar are static. So there is a legitimate edge in being able to find ones that have not moved after news comes out. Okay. A perfect example yesterday would have been like the two attack of news when he goes out you want to take, I mean, I still like Jalen Waddle a lot, but uh, you look at some of these other pass catchers and their yardage props. There's no doubt you're looking to take the under on some of those. When you get this type of news that, that, that comes out throughout the day, you think, oh, everyone's going to see that and pay attention to it. Not necessarily true. There's still an edge there. People will miss that. Take advantage of that. Use the free tools. Use the promo code. Go to nohouseadvantage.com or download it in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Start winning some money. A phenomenal place to build your bankroll. All right, Matt. Let's talk about Pittsburgh Steelers. Najee Harris. This is the obvious place to go. And I'm, I 100% get why he has the highest captain spot ownership, why he's the highest ownership in general. Uh, He has a 33% top play probability, 9% uh, optimal captain spot probability, which is funny because Deontay Johnson's actually at 11%. All around, it's a phenomenal spot for Najee. 
And when we were talking about, you were talking about the games that they've played earlier this year. So Najee Harris in the games that they've won, Matt, okay, has is averaging tr- almost 22 and a half carries per game. So as seven-point favorites, it would be something would really have to elude him and the Steelers. They'd have, something would have to get away from him or go really terribly for him not to see another massive workload on the ground on a team that has an aging quarterback with very little arm strength remaining. Yeah, I agree with you. I took a look at our leverage tool, which is a, one I really liked because I thought there there might be a chance that this would happen. We have Najee as a little bit over-owned right now, and I think that makes sense just because you have two quarterbacks who are not the top playmakers for their team. The quarterbacks obviously still bring a lot of upside. We've talked about Fields is quite a bit. It mainly comes with his legs, and we talked about that last 100-yard game being a pretty anomalous performance for them. But Roethlisberger still has it too. This team's thrown at times this year. If the Bears get up in one of these crazy game scripts, there's still a ceiling for both of the pass catchers, excuse me, both of the quarterbacks. But what it comes down to with Najee Harris is that floor is so good. So maybe you don't captain him, maybe you just use him in the flex spot, but there's so many projectable raw points there that he is so hard to leave out of your lineup. And whether it's the flex, whether it's captain, I think you can build lineups with both of those constructions. But unless Najee gets hurt, like in all game scripts, we've seen Najee with double-digit targets when they're trailing. We've seen him with well over 20 carries multiple times this year when playing from ahead. His floor is so good that he's just so hard to fade tonight. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. We've got uh, somebody in here spending his morning, and this is it's, – it's almost – it's almost so pathetic it's impressive that he would take time out of his morning to thumbs down a video because I guess Josh banned him. Josh isn't even on this stream, you goof. But in all seriousness, do it. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me, man. People are going to come back and watch anyway, because uh, we love our viewers. Even if I don't know, you're not one of them. I thought Shamwell was pretty cool. I had no problem with him, but I mean, this is just ridiculous. Anyway, get us up to 100 likes. We'd appreciate it, guys. And I, I listen, I know this is, this is rare. This is not something that happens often. But it happens, Matt. What are you going to do? People are disgruntled in life, you know? Yeah, we're just out here having a good time talking some football. If you, if you, don't, like the, if you don't like the video, that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's 100% okay with me. But uh, I'm, hey, I'm having a good time. I'm excited I'm for this Bears Steelers. <laughs> My, my Chicago Bears are playing tonight. They, they usually are losing games, but they get a primetime spot, so I'm excited. Yeah, man. Appreciate you guys, too. I know uh, got some awesome supporters out there and almost 65,000 subscribers. I'm feeling good this morning. But I promise you, man, there's better things to do than being here if you hate us. I mean, I'm, I welcome it. I'm happy. Your, your thumbs down in, in YouTube terms is just as good as the thumbs up, except it looks a lot cooler when we have more thumbs up. But there's a lot of life to live out there, fella. Go enjoy it. All right. Uh, Eric Ebron's out today. Pat Fryermuth coming off back-to-back games with seven targets. And at this point, he appears to be like, I, I think even if Ebron was in, Matt, he would still be trending towards Pat Fryermuth becoming the guy, right? He's a second-day draft pick. He looks pretty good. I mean, the guy's got hands. He can be involved in the red zone. This isn't to say Ebron can't, but Ebron's aging. Fryermuth is the, the young bull coming up, uh, moving up the ranks. I do think, like we talked about, that he might be a, a little bit overpriced and his ownership might be a little bit high. 
but it seems like he's going to be relatively popular today, just given what we've seen of him recently. And, and Ebron's absence certainly does make a difference. Yeah, it does for sure. It, it opens just a lot of the receiving work at the tight end position. And Friermuth is that guy, the kind of tight end they obviously spent a lot of draft capital on him. They view him as the tight end of the future. And he's shown that he's able to handle that workload. Again, this is another situation where I was just surprised to see him coming in at 7K. That's like a strong wide receiver, too, in terms of price. And the one thing I'll come back to is in tournaments, if you're stacking up that side of the game, if you're playing Roethlisberger, Frymuth is great. But in low-risk contest cash games, Darnell Mooney being cheaper than him was just a little bit surprising to me. And Mooney projects a little bit better price adjusted. So that's where I'll go in cash game formats. But as far as just looking at the overall landscape of the receivers on Pittsburgh, I think everything is price adjusted here. Deontay Johnson, the number one, but he is exceedingly expensive. And then from there, you can go down to Claypool and Fryermuth. They're all appropriate in price, but they're all just a little bit expensive for me. Deontay Johnson has target to, uh, counts of, of 10, 12, 13, 2, 13, and 13 this year, Matt. So there's that one outlier. But it's funny because that was the game where he had two receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown. If you want to just talk about overall highest floor players in the league at receiver, Deontay Johnson honestly has to be top five at this point with, with those target totals. When you're getting targeted, like on average, 12 times per game, that's really hard to, to, to overlook. And it's hard to be awful when that's the case, especially when they're not all downfield targets that your quarterback can't hit you on. Yeah, for sure. I've been kind of surprised at how much Pittsburgh's been throwing the ball. Like Deontay has great target totals overall, but it hasn't necessarily equated to that like elite target share. That's because Roethlisberger still has had a couple games where like, my goodness, he has four games with at least 40 attempts, two additional games above 30 attempts. Like they have been willing to throw the ball with him. I think it requires competitive game script, which we are maybe not necessarily sure the Bears will provide. I tend to think they keep it somewhat close. But if Pittsburgh gets down for whatever reason, Ben Roethlisberger will throw the ball a lot. And I think that helps not only Johnson, but Claypool is a pretty good target chair too. The numbers for him have been solid. And then since Ebron, like he's been banged up and now he's not going to play in this game. Fryermuth hasn't had consistent targets for the, like the duration of the year, but with Ebron banged up and out. Firemuth's targets have been solid too. So I don't think Deontay Johnson's like the clear alpha in this offense. I think a lot of it's just raw passing volume is kind of propped up all the target shares for these players in the raw target numbers. Really? You don't like bet. Listen to these attempts for Roethlisberger 32, 40, 58, 40, 25, 40, 34. Like that's a ton of attempts. It definitely is. But Johnson also has a 31% target share in the year, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he has a great target share. Claypool's been, like, banged up in and out of some games. He's at 21%. And, again, like, Firemuth's 10% target share is not, like, indicative of what he'll see no. tonight. That's a target share with, like, Ebron on the field. No, listen, I'm with you. I, I guess I, – I think I think Johnson's a great play. But, like, okay, so let's break this down in terms of DFS. So you, you get basically one or two expensive players on this slate, and then you cannot play any others because we don't have any punts. Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris are both extremely expensive, top two most expensive guys on the slate. Do you think you just lock those two in and then try to play like a bunch of mid-price guys? Or do you go or fields, save a little bit of money, or even like down to a clay pool and build a more balanced lineup rather than taking like the good wins 
and the Jesse James of the world. Well, I have a great idea. Let's try it. All right. Well, so, I, so are we going to want to finish them? I want to round out the Steelers first and then, okay. and, then we'll, and then we'll build a lineup. Yeah. So I, I totally get what you're saying and it might not be easy to do this. I haven't built any lineups yet. Right. So we'll see. But and if that didn't make sense, I'll just try to clarify a little bit. The whole point was that Deontay Johnson is very expensive and you'll have to make concessions. The same is true with Harris, but I think Harris is a better floor. I got you. And, and I don't even disagree with you. Uh, I, I just think that even with Roethlisberger's high passing volume, it's still impressive that with that volume, Deontay Johnson is a 31% target share guy. Um, let's try it out though in a second. So Claypool's another interesting option here. He kind of always goes unnoticed. He's also the type of guy that can, you know, if that big explosive two touchdown game is coming and, you know, two of them are outside of the red zone, 20, you know, big, big chunk plays. He's the type of guy that can do it, but he's really been hurt by Ben Roethlisberger's ineptitude at, uh, at the helm this season. And, you know, that is shown. So I, I still think Claypool's interesting for me. It all comes down to ownership. And I'll be honest, Matt, I am, I was surprised that even at this price point, he's, he's almost 40% owned today. That, that was honestly shocking to me. I, I did not think he would be that high on. I thought Claypool at that salary would actually be less owned than a lot of even Chicago skill players. I think this could come down a little bit. Our ownership. So four of the top five are Steelers. I think predictably so, but all of them are really expensive. Like Najee, Deontay, Roethlisberger are all exceedingly expensive. And then Claypool is only slightly less expensive. You cannot play them all together. So I think when people are actually clicking these players into their lineups, like Harris is going to be a clear preference. But then do you think people play Roethlisberger or Claypool or like Johnson or Claypool? I think they'll try to prioritize the bona fide options for Pittsburgh rather than Claypool. So I wouldn't be surprised if this comes down a little bit. With that said, I think he's still a great tournament play because of the upside. And to your point on him kind of suffering through Roethlisberger, Johnson is a lot more safe, in my opinion, just because he's the lower ADOT receiver. You don't have to worry about Ben Roethlisberger's noodle arm pushing the ball downfield this year, whereas Claypool is clearly used as their downfield field-stretching option. He is the highest ADOT on the team, and I think that's reflected in some of his efficiency numbers. It's just not quite what we saw last year. He's kind of behind like Johnson and Smith-Schuster when he was healthy in terms of efficiency, and I think that's because it's more coming – the usage downfield. Right. Exactly. So I guess when it comes down to the rest of this team, usually we can look at backup running backs, Matt, but this just zero value in backup running backs, unless like Najee Harris gets hurt, but there's nothing you and I can, I, I'm serious, right? Like, no, you're hundred you percent right. Yeah, but you and I can't analyze that. It's basically, hey, if if you're getting crazy and you want to do something that has a insanely low probability of playing out, yeah, okay, go ahead and play the backup quarterbacks and maybe you'll solo bink as somebody did uh, in, twice in the past month or play the backup running back behind Harris because if Harris goes down, Benny Snell probably gets what? Like a lot of work, but there's no, there's no additional analysis that you can actually put into that is what I'm saying. Yeah. hundred percent. Honestly, that might go over owned because of some of the backup quarterbacks we've seen, like win these massive yeah. GPPs and they're in like 
13 total lineups out of 150,000 and whatever. So I, I don't, I think it, if anything, they probably come in a little over owned compared to what they should based on what we've seen. I think you're right, man. It is crazy though, because you know, damn well, if, if, if Najee Harris goes out, say it was early, but the thing is you can't predict when that's like, it's just, it's, it's stupid. But if he did go out in the first quarter, Benny Snell's getting like 20 carries. It's just, I, I, I don't really enjoy trying to to sort all of that out. So this would be the week the that happens, man. What'd you say? It, of all weeks, this would be the one that happened based yep. on all of the craziness we've seen this week. No question. No question. So they don't really need to dive deeper into that, but it is what it is. Anyway, NFL showdown is the promo code. If you want to get 25% off your first week of awesome O plus platinum, all caps, all one word, NFL showdown. That's ownership, player projections, top stack tool, boom bust tool, lineup builder, all of which is built by Alex Baker, awesome himself, number one ranked DFS player out there for a reason. Dudes want a lot of money using these tools, and so have a lot of our subs, specifically Jordan Burkhardt, who took down like another 15K yesterday. The guy is just on a ridiculous heater. Use that promo code, though, NFL Showdown. It's not just football either. It's 25% off every single thing on the site. Football, basketball, hockey, MMA, PGA, eSports, golf, you name it. So uh, love to have you over there. And if you do decide to sign up, use the uh, jump in the premium Discord as well in the Office Hours channel where you've got our pros helping you become a better player if you're into that and you want to ask questions and just an, an insane amount of tools for every sport. If they have contests for it anywhere, we've got content. So hopefully we'll see you over there. NFL showdown, all caps, all one word at awesome.com slash join. All right, Matt. Um, let's go ahead. And what do you say? We hold on. Where am I at here? Jordan, where am I at on the topics list? Oh yeah. Let's build a, let's, let's build a damn lineup here. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So large field. We want to get a little different. Where are we going to captain? I think we should play a pass catcher. I think it's a good slate to do this with the overall low scoring game environment. We talked about in these kind of places where, you know, we don't have a lot of points projected. A touchdown could be the difference between like a pass catcher and his quarterback. So maybe we go with like a Claypool or a Johnson. I'm okay with like a Mooney captain too, if you want to do the bear side. Okay. And, you know, I pointed this out too earlier that if you look at our top, our showdown top uh, plays tool, which is, I know you use this frequently, so do I, where it gives you the light, uh, the probability that a player is going to be the number one score on the slate, or they're going to be two through six, which is what you need. Uh, if they're not the, the top score, a Fanduel two through five, whatever. Uh, and then the optimal captain probability. Nazi Harris has the highest top play probability by almost 13%, almost 12%, Matt but actually has a lower optimal captain probability than Deontay Harris, which I find interesting and obviously has to do with their differences in salary. So let's, um, let's try Deontay Harris here. Let's do it. Uh, or I'm sorry, Deontay Johnson. All right, I, think, go- I think we, I think we got to play Harris in the flex no matter what. So that's what I want to do. I want to see if we can make this work. Let's play Najee Harris in the flex. And this is tough because there's not a lot of, not a ton of value out there. What are we going with next? There's one player I want to bring up as a potential value piece that we didn't talk a ton about. It's Zach Gentry, who's kind of playing this blocking role for the Steelers, but he's on the field a decent amount for them. 
when they use 12 personnel, which they actually use 12 personnel a lot in Pittsburgh. But I think if you want a punt option, he's really the only guy that's kind of live down there to get snaps below 2K. Now, I don't know if you want to play him, but he did have five targets in their last game. So Gentry is an interesting option for this kind of build. With that said, I think we can cross that bridge if we need to a little bit later. I'd like to take the value play in Chicago and Darnell Mooney, who's just a little bit cheaper compared to like Robinson. I think he's somebody we could lock in for a consistent role. All right. I dig it. Someone asked, what about James Washington? Matt, I'm glad they brought that up because we forgot to get there. A any, any thoughts on Washington being a potential option here? Because he has been largely uninvolved. And even when he's on the field, he's not getting targeted. But maybe maybe Washington's that type of guy that can give you a, a deep ball opportunity or like a Ray Ray McLeod. But it's ugly down there. Yeah, Washington's like your Marquise Goodwin clone. He's playing the same role for Pittsburgh. Both these teams have been using a lot of 12 personnel recently, which speaks to Gentry, who's played more snaps, more targets than Washington. Again, Washington's going to be far more dynamic than Gentry when he's on the field. Like he can actually get the ball deep and make plays. Gentry's kind of just like your stereotypical unathletic blocking tight end who's been targeted a fair amount. But Washington has upside. And if he's on the field, we need to talk about him. But again, like his price is way, way too high for his role. It really is. So I want to. I want to get a little different here because right now, you know, the first three players into our build, Matt, are obvious players, right? So let's try something a little bit different. I don't even know what it's going to be, but it's got to be, it's got to be something that's, it's not really popular. So we have Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, and Darnell Mooney. If we're talking about a large field tournament, uh, and we still don't know the situation with, with Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. I mean, how much? There's a, there's James a couple Washington's 5,200? Yeah, isn't that crazy? Oh, my God. I don't hate Gentry as a play. I'm not going to lie. I don't either. And it's actually a decent salary saver. And the whole point of this exercise was, was to see if we could build with Johnson and Harris. Yes which has uh, been very difficult so yeah. far. And also Frymuth's like almost 30%. So getting Gentry in it at half of that ownership and the fraction of the price point, I don't mind either. So, all right, we got Gentry in there, 6,300 remaining. It opens up a little bit. Yeah, I, I think you could do like a Khalil Herbert and a kicker, Khalil Herbert in a defense, something I like that. I just did that while you were talking. I just did that while you did. Or you could go <laughs> Khalil Herbert and Marquis Goodwin, but that's the – yeah, I think um, Khalil Herbert in a defense would give you some salary on the table, which could help with some of the ownership here as well. But we don't have a quarterback in this lineup, which is pretty scary too. But that's just how, one, we're not comfortable with the quarterbacks, and two, like pricing is so tight. I don't know how – I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks because you have Gentry, Johnson, and Harris. But the way I see it is this could be a game where Harris scores two rushing touchdowns. Um, Deontay Johnson has a big game receiving, right? And then Gentry only needs like three for 40, if, if even that, to get there. Like, How many times have you seen a cheap tight end with five to seven fantasy points being the optimal, Matt? Because it, it opens everything else up for, every, for everybody else. Seemingly every week on Showdown, Matt, has <laughs> been the, that has been what is going on. Yeah, a one-yard reception for a touchdown, and then they don't see the field again, but they're in the optimal. So I kind of like this. And if you throw Lambo in there, 
that gives you kind of more reason not to go to Roethlisberger and just hope that, you know, maybe the, and remember, this could just be a really low scoring game. Like the bears could do nothing, but Khalil Herbert gets an, I I'm not horrified to not have quarterbacks out here because if you put quarterbacks on this team, what, what's your recourse? There's no good value whatsoever. I think you don't play Johnson and you play a cheaper pass catcher for right. Pittsburgh. You'd have that's to. the that's the only way. Right. Or you come I don't off hate Herbert. That. I don't hate it, but yeah. All right. Well, we got the strategy show coming up. So Jordan, I just just flash it on the screen. I don't have time to go over everything, but I do want to let you guys know that uh, usually when we have time, which is almost every day, but we love to shout everybody out that has big wins at Awesome O every day of the week, and. If you tweet us at Awesomeo HOF with the Awesomeo avatar, even if you don't have it and, and you're and you're shouting it out and, and saying, check this out, huge win, we'll throw it up on the screen. But if you have the Awesomeo avatar and you finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more, be it Yahoo, DraftKings, or FanDuel, wherever, uh, and you go to awesomeo.com slash avatar, download that, use that, and finish top three, we will give you a free month of Awesomeo Plus Platinum. It's a $90 value, all sports, like I said, included. So... Uh, join the team, rock the Awesomeo avatar, tweet us at Awesomeo HOF, include Matt and myself in that because we like seeing this stuff too. And we'll throw you up, brag for you, give you the free month, all that good stuff. Follow Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski, me at Lafayette underscore D. Shout out your boy, Jordan Klein, for producing today's show. Appreciate all of you guys. Even you guys who hate us. It just makes it more fun, Matt. I'm having a blast doing these shows. Thank you guys <laughs> all for coming and watching us at and depending on where you are, if you're West Coast, this is an early, early show. Those of you on the East Coast, maybe you're at work. We appreciate you all. All right. We'll talk to you guys later today. You got plenty coming up. Stick around. NBA Strategy Show. Josh and Adam share. 10 o'clock Eastern. Peace. <laughs>